Welcome to another of the 10-minute Cood Street podcast that Jonathan Strahan and I have been doing during this period of lockdown. And today, I'm very happy to be spending 10 minutes with uh, Paul McCauley. Uh, how are you, Paul? I'm good. How are you, Gary? Uh, doing as well as we can be, as, as can be expected, at least, I think. Um, but um, we're asking everybody uh, the same three questions and getting some interesting answers. So let's go through that and then get to the third question, which is the one I want to get to. The first one is, what are you reading? And I guess the other part of that is, is it any good? Okay. Well, I, I try and read good stuff because mm-hmm. um, time, time is short and I don't have time anymore for reading bad stuff. Um, huh. I've just recently read Bone Silence, which is the um, last volume in the trilogy by Al Reynolds. Um, the Revenger trilogy about two sisters who accidentally become pirates. Um, oh, I read the in, first couple of those I haven't seen. In right. The and it's a kind of far future thing where the solar system has been dismantled and the sun is going out, the usual far future stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, they're the n- nth number of civilizations that's risen and fallen. And uh they're trying to figure out why that is. There are aliens who may or may not be as alien as they seem. Mm-hmm. And, there's, and there's all kinds of adventure stuff in these books as well. It reminds me a bit of um, Robert Louis Stevenson. You know, um, s- stuff happens, stuff happens quickly. There's thoughtful, mm-hmm. a lot of, lot of thoughtful stuff in between. And there's a lot of travel as well. Um, so uh, things like in Kidnapped and so on. And there's lots of accidental encounters with people who then turn out to be quite important. And uh, they're quite fun. And they, it, the trilogy's got sort of darker as it goes on. It started out as a kind of treasure hunt, uh-huh. a treasure island kind of thing, because um, the solar system is basically now a series of asteroids, series of rocks, some inhabited, some not. And the uninhabited ones can be full of treasure, but uh-huh. the, treasure is, the treasure is in by traps that you have to kind of solve. And if you don't solve them, that's the end of you. Um, so you've got these uh, weird sort of um, sailing space sail spacecraft, rather like um, sun jammers in the R.C. Clarke classic story. But they've been repurposed as uh-huh. pirate sailing sailing ships, complete with cannon and so on. So um, it's, it's great fun. But as I say, at the same time, it's, it, it sort of starts to get serious as it interrogates the background of its universe, the sort of why of its universe, and how well, did first, we get the here? The first one I thought could have, I don't think it was marketed as YA, but the first one certainly could have been, it seemed to me. Yeah, um, I think probably because you start off with this kind of almost um, manor punk kind of thing yeah. with the uh, sisters uh, on a, a remote asteroid wanting for adventure and um, finding it's a bit more than they can cope with and then having to cope with it. Um, and having uh-huh. to um, defeat rather serious enemies, is what I mean about it. it gets darker, and they take on the kind of appearance of, of the people they defeat. Um, uh-huh. Yet, they yeah. still retain some essential difference from them as well. So, Anything else it, you've been reading? Anything else? Let's see. Um, well, I just read Lavitivar's, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Arthurian, for- by, by force, force alone. Yeah. yeah. I, I nearly want to say by magic alone, but it's by force alone. <laughs> there is magic in it. And it's kind of, it, I'm a big fan of Arthurian stuff. Um, uh-huh. The Once and Future King is one of my favorite books. But this takes the Once and Future King and turns it upside down. In the Once and Future King, the idea is, as in, as in the Arthurian mythos, that the knights 
renounce sort of mm. uh, going around bashing peasants on the head and bashing each other. But instead, we'll try and do good. Um, and as we know, this ends up in tragedy. Well, uh, yeah. Levi takes this and says, well, what happens if they don't try and do good? And basically, they're the Sopranos. Right, they're, they're gangsters. They're gangsters. They're gangsters. I mean, they're. they're, they're yeah. I, I've read it, and they're when somebody becomes a knight of the round table, they're described as a made man. That's um, right. There's a ceremony which is very much, and somebody says, like, I've always wanted to be a knight. Uh-huh. You know? um, um, so there's lots of sort of lots of little cunning references to. Well, I I, I, also, I, grew up, I grew up on the Once and Future King, and probably yeah. when I was. Oh, I don't know. In high school or earlier, I probably read one of the few books I read once a year. And I, I haven't gone back and looked at it in a long time because I, it struck me as having a good deal of humor in it. But then so much Arthurian stuff since then has created a poor taste in my mouth. I mean, even once in Future King turned into a Disney cartoon at one point. Um, yeah, the first of, book. The first book became a musical, and the second book became a musical as well, Camelot. A Camelot, and the, right. Yeah, and the third book was never filmed. So it's never done. The T.H. White's was very odd duck. And uh, when I read it, it was like it's, com- it's a complete revision of what the Arthurian lesson was. It's very right. eccentric. And Lavi has some of that. Lavi Tiffel has some of that in there. He has the questing beast and Sir Pelinor chasing him as a kind of character that the other characters encounter as he's chasing this questing beast around. But the questing beast is more a kind of Lovecraftian questing beast. And oh. there's, you know, the episodes are, are, are more derived from there's some there's an episode which I don't think quite comes off. It's my least favorite one, although there's lots of invention mm-hmm. in it, which is kind of the Strugatsky's um, roadside picnic. Um, yeah, it's very definitely that. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a UFO, the Grail is a UFO artifact. Um, but there's lots of other fun stuff. Guinevere is a is a is an outlaw rather than a kind of um, uh, who does have the love interest, right. but um, it has her own agency. Uh, Lancelot is kind of a, a kung fu um, mystic in, right. in the service of somebody who's, who's chasing nutty theories about the Grail and so on. And it's quite bloody, it's quite sweary, but it's it's quite fun and it keeps moving at a cracking pace. Yeah, um, it's, it, quite a, it's, it it's a big old book. It's not a trilogy. He, he, thank God he didn't write um, some trilogy. Thank God it's not, but it's, uh, <laughs> um, but it's, 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 it's a good, fun book. So those, those are two sort of genre books that I've been reading at the moment. And the other, well, go ahead. Uh, okay. The other one, the other one, which I'm, um, I've got a bookmark in at the moment is a book by Martin. It's the first novel by uh, Martin McDonough. Uh, it's I Have Waited and You Have Come, which is a kind of soft apocalypse novel not quite sure what the apocalypse is society is kind of fragmented and fallen apart Mm. it's a rural british novel it's a kind of romance but it's a kind of stalker novel as well i'm not quite sure how it's going to end i suspect not very well um but it's it it, it, it's it's very interesting with the point of view of this woman who's living on her own she's lost Mm. her one and only lover She's struggling. The big thing is to get groceries, which kind of ties in with the situation we're all in at the moment. Where do we get our fresh food from? You know. And the title um, of that again? It was "I Have Waited and You Have Come." Okay, thank you. Okay. Do you have anything so, that uh, that you'd recommend people to read during a lockdown? Some kind of comfort read? Yeah, well, I'm reading a lot of, um, as well as that stuff as well, I'm reading a lot of crime novels as well. And the whole thing about the lockdown, people are saying, oh, well, this is now your chance to read that big, well, right. big serious novels. That, yeah. you know? 
uh, now is your chance to get to grips with um, Proust. And, uh, exactly. It's, yeah. I've, heard but, that um, called, I've heard that called corona shaming, where you know, yeah. if you come out of this and you haven't read Swan's Way, then you're just a bad person. Well, I've got to say my, my attention span is, is very short. <laughs> and, uh, and also what I really need at the moment is, is distraction and, stu- and, and books where, where stuff gets solved. There's a problem and somebody works out what it is. So I'm reading lots of crime novels at the moment. Any Not necessarily favorites? great fun. What I'm going to tell you, if you are, I, oh. I, I started reading Denise Mina, who is a terrific writer. Um, they're crime novels, but they're also kind of like psychological, in-depth psychological studies as well. Um, there's a series of five with a detective called Alex Morrow, who's 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 kind of it's a Glaswegian lass from the wrong side of the tracks uh-huh. with a, a gangster brother, which causes endless trouble since she's in the police. Um, and, and all five are very good. It doesn't matter what order you read them in. She wrote um, a, a kind of nonfiction or a fictionalized nonfiction book called The Long Drop, which is about an actual murder. I think in I think it was in the 50s, late yeah. 50s, true crime. And it's about somebody who walks into a house, kills three women, eats a ham sandwich. And then the man of the house as they used to say in those days, sort uh-huh. of tracks him down and takes him on one long drunken binge night <laughs> through the underworld of Glasgow. And it, it's between that, divided between that binge night and what they talk about and the trial. And it's fantastic. It's quite short and it's really cool. fantastic and very clever. Yeah, well, I've also read, um, I'm a big fan of Kate Atkinson as well. I just read her latest oh, Big yeah. Sky. I don't, do you know her Jackson Brody novels? So um, Big Sky is the latest one. No, I don't. OK, Jackson Brody's a private eye. He's ex-army, blah, blah, which is, you know, the oh. usual setup. But he's kind of like casually walks into these situations which almost overwhelm him. Um, he, at one point he was a millionaire and got cheated out of it um, by by somebody who, who, who got the better of him. So he's not exactly, um, you know, he's, he's kind of Raymond. He's not exactly a knight of the streets. He kind of bumbles around. Big Sky starts off with um, a series of character sketches, really, about these sort of suburban people and oh. gradually gradually you kind of realize there's kind of a dark thing going on behind their their sort of lives and then jackson brody kind of wanders into it and then he starts tracking it down so the first half is kind of the setup and the second half is kind of the resolution and she takes her time about it again it's just, mm-hmm. again it's psychological study and i think women are really good at this kind of stuff i don't I want to say men aren't as well but um it's interesting that, 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 that both these are kind of take this rather than the crime it's the it's it's the right, kind uh, of motivation behind the crime although i'm actually a fan of michael connolly as well so you know which is straight ahead police right. procedurals and i'm reading one of those right now as well one of the bosch novels um, um i'm a big fan of the tv series as well I was wondering, way, as well, which i think is it really shows la I used to live yeah, in Right. Yeah, he's a machine for writing books, and they're boilerplate yeah. prose, but um, he's very good at getting information across and um, putting hooks in and developing props by adding things, but adding just enough to keep you going and then resolving it. So um, I just find them very interesting. And Bosch is the kind of classic loner policeman in our. It is. Yeah. He's, he's tag teams with a, a woman detective called Randy Ballard, who's he's. Bosch is retired, and but he's still sort of looking down at cold cases. And Rennie Ballard's is kind of um, a she's a woman, which is a hit in the police anyway. But B she's um, had run in with bosses, so she's sort of 
operates on her own, sort of unregarded. Right. So so she gets hooked into what, what Bosch wants to do. Well, so let's jump that, on. This, I, I, yeah. So uh, that kind of thing is entertainment to me, and that's right. what I'm after at the moment. Yeah. So what have you got out in the world now that you want uh, to discuss? Oh, well. Yeah, well, we're talking about detectives. I've kind of got a, 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 a far future with Al Reynolds. I've got a, a War of the Maps, which is a uh-huh. which is a, a very far future novel. It's about five, six billion years in the future when the sun has undergone its big expansion to red mm-hmm. giant and collapsed into to its final end as a white dwarf. Um, and um, things like gods have come descendants remote descendants of humans come and, and built a nostalgic theme park world a, a mini dyson sphere around the white dwarf they mm. had their fun and left and they left behind the kind of attractions and they've also left behind the people they created the human beings their idea of human beings who have to find their own meaning in life now the gods have gone you know and um this is about really is about um sort of the obsession of one man who's tracking down an old enemy and finds himself ending up in a, a really strange war or alien invasion or transformation. So you should uh, explain that maps, if, if I read this correctly, the maps yeah. actually has two distinct meanings in that title. Yeah, the maps, there's two meanings. The, the, the Dyson sphere is mostly ocean, but in that ocean are like world maps, planetary surfaces mapped out. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and very far apart as well. So, so it's like um, it takes half a year or whatever to sail between them. Um, and the other, uh, the other meaning of the maps is obviously gene maps. And the yep. war, this war of transformation, it's taking, it's adding genes, taking what genes are there, reactivating genes, turning things into something else. So it's a war of transformation. Um, and there are people who've got special powers who can read these maps. And uh, the uh, hero, the Lucidor, who's a, who's a kind of policeman, falls, falls in with one of these people who can do that. And he's tracking down somebody who employs a load of other people who can do that as well, who's trying to do things with the invasion. So it's about kind of a one of those hero quest I hope it's, it's sort of interrogating the idea of HeroQuest. It, 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 it does something else, which I don't think I'd seen before, because, as you know, I liked it uh, quite a bit. I was trying to think if anybody else had done quite the same sort of thing with the Dyson Sphere, because, uh, I mean, back in the 70s, probably starting with Ringworld and, and mm-hmm. Bob Shaw's Orbitsville. It was like the, Orbitsville was like a one-upmanship on, on Ringworld, I thought. But But the area was so vast that I don't think either of those writers really knew what to do with it. So so you kind of did two things I hadn't seen before, or I'd barely seen before. One is, yeah, turn it into an epic fantasy quest because he moves through one world after another uh, as though it were fantasy, but every world has a science fiction. Everything he goes through has some kind of science fictional rationale. And the other thing is they're on the outside of the Dyson Sphere. Yeah. It's um it's based on there's a little paper I came across a few years ago which uh-huh. said, said well what what happens if you build a shell around a white dwarf you can build it it'll be a lot smaller than your classic Dyson sphere which would you uh-huh. know, be the or be at the orbit of Earth basically so it'd be an enormous thing I mean you can either have a shell world which is the classic Dyson sphere or you could have a flock of worlds worldlets right. you know in cunning orbits which 
and the whole point is they absorb all of the sun's energy which is like um, the, the, the ultimate way of using everything the star puts out um, but these as you say are very big um, yeah. because the white dwarfs have compact and cool you can a get close to them and b you can get so close that their gravity um, exerts a pull of 1g on the surface of the Dyson sphere and that's so you can live on the outside so you can see the sky you can see the stars the big problem is you don't have any light so apart from starlight so you have to work out so you have these trains of mirrors going around which are mirror arcs which aren't exactly mirrors they're they're something else but they're called mirrors okay we're 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 past our we're past our 10 minutes but i'd like to oh okay my point of view just to uh, pass on to everybody that yes, you should definitely look up uh, War of the Maps. But again, this has been one of the 10 minute podcasts today. Uh, delightful 10 minutes with uh, Paul McCarthy, Paul McCauley, whose new uh, War of the Maps is, is just delightful. And thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for having me, Gary.